0: What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Main Event Heat podcast. I am your host, Rob Weathers, and happy new year, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed 2021 as much as you possibly could. And I hope that we have an even better 2022. You know, I got to say, 21 was a, was a decent year for me. I mean, all things considered, you know, I, I started in the professional wrestling business in 2021 and it doesn't get much better than that for me. I was, I was at Zicky Dice's house for New Year's Eve with a, a few other wrestlers. And, and we were talking about New Year's resolutions. And Zicky asked me what mine was. And I told him, I said, you know, I want to get booked on a show by somebody that doesn't know me. That's, that's kind of my big thing. You know, My my last year in wrestling, obviously let's start obviously with Larry Otto, you know, already had that established relationship with Doc Gallows and then championship wrestling from Atlanta. Of course, me and Zicky are great friends. And then now WrestleForce, which Bob Keller through Larry Otto, I have that relationship with. I want some promoter who has no fucking idea who I am personally to send me a message and tell me, hey man, heard you're really good and we need you on our show. That's what I want. That is my New Year's resolution for 2022. I think it's simple enough and, you know, I've got a feeling it'll happen because I plan on taking this year by fucking storm. I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm not just going to be some guy behind the commentary desk. I'm going to try to take over Every aspect of professional wrestling that I possibly can. And I hope you guys ride along on the journey with me. Speaking of journeys, we started Main Event Heat last summer in July. And I've been really happy with the performance of the show. You know, we've, we've got a dedicated audience that listens every week. The show is being listened to in five different countries right now, which is absolutely fucking amazing to me. There's a lot of good to look at. And I've got a lot of positive things to talk about on this first new year edition of Main Event Heat, but it's also kind of a bittersweet day for me. I'm recording the show January 2nd. This episode will come out January 3rd. January 3rd of 2021 was whenever I recorded my first episode with the Talk and Shop After Show. So I'd be lying to you if I said that that day is not weighing on my mind right now, especially considering a big topic that we talked about on that episode was the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom 15 card in New Japan. Today we're going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom 16. And it's I'm having just this really uncomfortable case of deja vu right now. I'd be lying if I said it didn't bother me a little bit. You know, I said whenever I recorded that episode about me getting fired from my last show that I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I wasn't going to try to dwell on it. Well, I have. I very much have. It's been it's been really hard for me to forget about it. Even though so many great things have happened to me after it, I think I'm still just so bummed out by how it ended. I think I said this line whenever I recorded that episode about getting fired, if I didn't hear it as now, I'm not so much upset that it ended. I'm upset with how it ended. That was something that I I really sunk all of my free time into, and we used to throw this word family around. There was upwards to two dozen of us that were were regulars and were were on every watch along and and every boozing with the boys and and everybody that you know that that core audience that listened to our show, and we all fucking flew out to Baltimore and spent three days hanging out with each other for Talking Shop Live. We we threw that family word around so much, and then whenever it got I guess quote unquote announced that I was no longer going to be a part of the show. I'll be honest with you. I haven't heard anything from anybody over there. And that, that really upsets me because it's like, you know, we, we all spoke so highly of each other for so long, but then the second that I'm not doing that show anymore, I'm fucking nobody. And I understand there's probably some people like, I, I think I said this whenever I did that last episode, there's probably some people over there that think that I have a problem with them i don't i i had a problem with one person that entire time i was there and it was those last few weeks it was a fallout from baltimore there was one person that i had a problem with in that entire group and if you're listening to this and you are a part of that quote unquote family you probably know who i'm talking about if you don't know who i'm talking about it's one of the two people that wound up replacing me And considering one of those two people I have only ever spoken highly of, I think you can figure out who the other one was. And we just had a problem that stemmed from an issue that took place while we were at Talking Shop Live. It's water under the fucking bridge now, but I was open that few weeks following. I didn't want to talk to that guy for a little bit, just because he had really gotten under my skin. We were going to do an episode right after Baltimore where we were going to bring on a few of the people that were there and just reminisce about the show. And my co-host asked me, who do you want on the show? And I said, I don't care, just as long as it's not that guy. Because I didn't want to talk to him. And that remained that way for several weeks. And I had a really good fucking reason for that. But that's the only person that I had any kind of issues with. I don't carry that same resentment now. So if any of you guys that are listening to this show, that listened to that last show, just know that I don't have any problems so if that's the reason why nobody's reached out to me to say anything, just know that it's not the case. And I haven't reached out to anybody personally because I don't know who all fucking hates me. Because apparently, from how it was brought to my attention, quite a few people weren't very happy with me, which is why I had to go. And I I hate that I brought that up again. I hate that I'm talking about it again. It's something I want to leave in the past, but I, I, I'm, I'm honest with you guys, I, I'm having a hard time with it. And it's just today is just like I said, it's such a bittersweet day. I I can't help but think about it. But we're going to try to move on from that as best as we can. I want to start 2022 on a positive note. I want to be as positive as I possibly can be going forward. Whenever I started Main Event Heat, that was a big goal of mine. I don't want to do anything that is outwardly negative, I don't want to do any like top 10 worst lists or anything of that nature. Obviously, yes, if I don't like something, like if I'm reviewing a show and I didn't like something, I'm going to talk about how much I didn't like it. But I'm trying to be as positive as I possibly can, because in my personal life, I'm more negative than I would like to be. And that's that's not a new occurrence. That's been a thing my entire life. So before we get into what I think is going to be the big topic of this week's episode, and that's Wrestle Kingdom 16, because I am really, really looking forward to watching it this week. I want to talk about what I actually spent New Year's Day doing And I watched, for the first time in almost a year, a WWE pay-per-view. WWE ran a show here in Atlanta called Day One. I watched uh, a little over half of the show. I didn't watch all of it. And I'm going to tell you right now, just, just a quick disclaimer, what I saw, I didn't necessarily hate it. I wasn't a big fan of a lot of it, but I didn't necessarily hate it. So let's run down that card really quickly. I will talk about the, the matches that I did see and what I did think about them. The show opened up with a pre-show match between Sheamus and Ridge Holland versus Cesaro and Ricochet at a tag team match. I had no idea Cesaro and Ricochet were teaming together. If that team was on the indies, that would be the most dominant tag team in the entire world. I rem- when Ricochet signed with the WWE, I got so mad because he was tearing it up in New Japan. He was tearing it up on the Indies. Obviously, Lucha Underground as Prince Puma. And whenever he signed with NXT, I was like, man, he is not going to be in NXT very long. Vince is going to want to pull him up to the main roster and do absolutely shit with him immediately. And I was right. I don't even think he was in NXT for a year. And they bring him up to the main roster, and they do that. They do absolutely jack shit with him. And him and Cesaro get beat by Sheamus and Ridge Holland. I think I heard Ridge Holland broke his nose in this match. I didn't see it. I also did not see the next match, which was the match that properly opened the show. The Usos defending their tag team championships against the New Day. I did not see this match, but I have watched these two wrestle before. And they always, I think, have great matches. Like These are two teams that I think just have amazing chemistry with each other. And if the match was good enough, I might actually go back and try to watch it. It was the one match that I just did, completely did not see at all on this main show. I remember whenever these guys had a Hell in a Cell match a few years ago, and and I thought it was fantastic. The the match that these two had, it's one of the best matches that has taken place in the WWE in the last decade. So this, I imagine, was probably a very good match. After that, whenever I, I actually did come in the room and, and I decided to, to watch this show with my wife, I saw Drew McIntyre versus... Madcap Moss, which I did not realize is he was going by Madcap until I heard Michael Cole say it about two dozen times. But uh, Riddick Moss, he, he wrestled in Riddick Moss in a pretty competitive match, which seems really weird to me. Drew McIntyre, like, wasn't he the WWE champion like not very long ago? And he's having a competitive match against fucking Riddick Moss. Where have I been? Did, did Drew McIntyre get pushed down the card? Or is Riddick Moss just having the, the biggest push of his fucking life right now? What is going on in WWE? But all things considered, you know, there was nothing bad about this match. Like It was, it was a decently serviceable match just from that kayfabe perspective of former WWE champion and guy that was in NXT for fucking ever. It's hard for me to understand like why this match was as competitive as it was. I also saw that Baron Corbin is, is being called happy Corbin. My wife tried explaining this to me. Like apparently he was like poor and like borderline homeless for a while. And then they went to Vegas and he won a bunch of money and now he's happy. Okay. That's (laughs) all right. I guess we've been complaining that WWE doesn't invest in long-term storytelling enough. I, I guess they're giving it a shot with this one. Okay. Then after that, uh, R.K. Bro, which I've, uh, all right, Randy Horton and Matt Riddle versus the Street Profits. They defeated the Street Profits uh, to retain their WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. I thought it was kind of goofy that they had Migos come out there, who I, I to this day, I, I was yesterday years old whenever I found out Migos was more than one person. I, I thought it was just a guy. That just for whatever reason, his name was pluralized, you know, like if I just went by my last name, Weathers, like that's kind of how I thought I thought Migos was just one guy. I didn't know it was like a group of dudes. They came out with RK bro, which like considering who they were wrestling, I felt like it would probably make more sense if they came out with the street profits. Because the Street Profits are definitely more ingrained in the hip-hop culture than I think fucking Randy Orton and Matt Riddle are. Like, Matt Riddle might know who Migos are. I'm pretty fucking sure Randy Orton does not. But anyway, they accompany RK-Bro out to the ring, which... Alright, I can't... I don't like that name at all. But, decent match. They're still doing the fucking thing where Matt Riddle kicks his fucking slippers off and pigeons fly all over the screen, which is... uh, if there's something about, like, that kind of sums up a lot of the negative things that I do have to say about the show, and that so much of the presentation is extremely cheesy, and I think that if they just stopped cheesing it up so much, there would be more to like about the WWE, because watching this show, these matches, none of them were terrible, like, 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 this was probably my least favorite match, the Street Profits and RK-Bro match, but it still was a fucking decently solid match, there was nothing inherently wrong with it, it's just there's so much cheese between the ridiculous graphics that they pop up on the screen during the entrances, and then the the commentary booth, oh my fucking god, Pat McAfee drives me up a wall, like this dude is way more concerned with getting himself over than he is the rest of the fucking show, holy fuck, and then Cole is just... Cole just sounds like he's just trying to sell the WWE to people. Like, he's not trying to sell you the match. He's trying to sell you this presentation. And it just drives me up a fucking wall. Uh, Jimmy Smith was okay. I remember whenever... I think, fuck, where was Jimmy? Jimmy was in Bellator before, I want to say. And, and, you know, I, I never thought super highly of Jimmy, but I didn't hate him either. But I think he's been on Raw for a little while now. He was okay. I mean, whenever you're sitting next to Corey Graves and Byron Saxon, there's only so much you can do. But yeah, that's that's really the only negatives that I've got. There, there will be one negative later on in this. But the only real negatives I have to say about the show are the presentation and the commentary, because both of them are extremely fucking cheesy. And I think that if I just skip the entrances and put the show on mute, I'd probably enjoy it a lot more because the, there, there is good wrestling to see. But yeah, so RK Bro defeat the Street Profits, retaining their Raw Tag Team Championships. After that, you have Edge versus Miz in a singles match. Maurice coming back out with Miz. That's cool. She's looking better than ever. Holy fuck. How I did not put her on my top five most attractive women in wrestling list, I have no idea. I, I must have been fucking high or something. Because, anyway, I don't want to dwell on that for too long. Edge and Miz have a, you know, it was a good match. These are... Miz is is a guy that I think the WWE can count on to be consistent. He consistently puts on solid performances. And I think that that's why he has achieved as much as he has. I think a lot of people have talked about, like, in the past decade or so, he's been in spots that they feel like he was not good enough to be in. I would argue that it's the consistency. He is a guy that I think you can regularly rely on. He doesn't really get injured very often, if at all. He never really, he doesn't botch a whole hell of a lot. He's, he's solid. He's not doing fucking 450s off the top of a cage or anything, but like he is a very solid performer and in this company, that's the kind of guy that they want. And that's the kind of guy that they, they want to safely be able to put the company on the shoulders of if they need to. And him and Edge had a very good match here. Edge is what in his mid 40s now, still looks amazing, still works very, very well. They showed a video package from Miz and Maurice renewing their wedding vows. I don't know why the fucking bloodbath was black. That's weird to me. I think I remember at WrestleMania, fucking uh, Alexa had black blood on her face for some odd reason. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. If they're replacing blood with ink, I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. My wife couldn't really explain it to me worth the shit either. That's that's weird. But that aside, you know the the match was good. Uh, Edge obviously wins. It's about twenty minute match. Wins with the spear. Maurice proved to be a a pretty big factor in this match, constantly distracting the referee or distracting Edge. Beth Phoenix winds up coming out right before the finish to run off Maurice, and yeah, solid performance by two very very solid wrestlers. After that, we have Becky Lynch versus Liv Morgan. I did not see the finish of this match, but I was actually surprised watching. I probably watched just over 10 minutes of it. Watching the 10 minutes that I watched, I was actually really surprised at how well Liv Morgan did. I know that Becky Lynch has always been a, a pretty damn good wrestler. I was I was watching the show whenever she was in NXT, and I watched a little bit whenever she first came to the main roster. And she's always been a, a, a very, very good performer. I always thought that of that, that Four Horsewomen group, I thought Becky was probably the best one in a lot of aspects. Kind of comes down to that same thing with like with The Miz. She is consistent. Becky, she doesn't have the same hot-headedness that has been displayed by Charlotte and Sasha in the past. And and her and her and Bailey, as far as performers go, just seem to be more consistent. Bailey maybe had some more character flaws throughout her career than Becky did. But yeah, like I said, that, that word is so key whenever you're talking about WWE shows. It's consistency. And Becky Lynch is one of the most, if not the most, consistently good performer in the women's division and Liv I had no idea was that good of a wrestler I maybe I wasn't paying that close of attention whenever she first came to the company or maybe she's just improved a lot like I said I don't watch this show regularly I haven't seen a full Liv Morgan match probably since the riot squad was a thing so it's it's been quite a while and it was very good I did not see the finish but according to this Becky Lynch Defended the belt, which I don't think any anybody thought that she was gonna lose. Becky Lynch retains, overlive Morgan via pinfall. And yeah, I I I might go back and at least see what the finish was for this because there was there was a lot of spots throughout that I was very impressed with. And in my opinion, this was probably the best show of the night. Then we're gonna talk about one last negative thing. The main event saw Brock Lesnar winning the WWE championship against Big E, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Bobby Lashley. Brock was, I guess he was supposed to wrestle Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns got sick, I think, I believe he has COVID, which I, I hope that he's going to be all right. I know that his his, uh, his bouts with cancer, his immune system is probably pretty fucked. I hope that he's going to be all right and, and get to come back like normal after this. But Brock Lesnar was supposed to wrestle Roman. They moved him into this match, which I guess was originally a fatal four-way. They made it a fatal five-way. And Brock cut a promo a few segments before this match and it wasn't good you you realize why over the last 20 years they have consistently had Paul Heyman talk for Brock Lesnar because Brock is just is just not good at putting words together what did he say at the end he said something that popped me just because it didn't make any fucking sense how he worded it he had said something about like uh that my folks is a spoiler I think he was talking about winning the match that my folks is a spoiler. Who the fuck says my folks? I think that I think my wife said the line supposed to be that my friends is a spoiler. That my folks is a spoiler just sounds so fucking stupid. But that's just his his brain don't work that way. They're expecting him to just just blurt words out and I don't know if you guys watched any of those those post-fight interviews that he did in the UFC where he's talking about, you know, drinking Coors like his Bud Light don't pay him, and he's going to go home and mount his wife and all that shit. You don't ever put a microphone in front of this guy unless you want hilarity because that's the only thing you're going to get. If, if I'm supposed to take him seriously as a threat, do not put the fucking microphone in front of his face because regardless of how big he is, he's the goofiest motherfucker in the world whenever it comes to words. That, my folks, is a spoiler. I can't get over how stupid that sounded. And he wins this match, you know, um... From what I understand, Biggie probably hasn't had the the greatest WWE title run from I, I think somebody posted a list on Twitter this morning of all the losses that he's had since he got that belt. And I heard somebody arguing in the comments, yeah, but you're forgetting about like the 20 wins that he had. When you're the champion, you're not supposed to lose at all. Look at anybody who's been the world champion in AEW. Go back and, and look at their title runs. Look at Moxley's title run. Look at, look at Kenny Omega's title run, Jericho's. Tell me how many matches they lost while they were champion. You know, and don't even just do that with AEW. Do that with Impact. Do that with, with Ring of Honor. Do that with any other company. And tell me how many times the world champion loses non-title matches during their title reign. It's not going to be very much because it's kind of stupid and it, it buries your champion. Why the fuck do you consistently want to put other people over your world champion? Why are they your world champion? Anyway, that little rant aside, why are we still shoving Brock Lesnar down everybody's throats? Like, I, I think I understand that he's supposed to be a babyface now, which babyface and Brock Lesnar are two things that just do not go together. But it's I think people have been very vocal throughout the last several years that they're kind of fucking sick of this Brock Lesnar shit. And even if people are cheering him now, it's gonna be temporary. Give it a few weeks. Give it. When's the next pay per view? Royal Rumble in a few weeks. People are gonna be booing this motherfucker by then. That is a fact and a half. I didn't see most of this match. I I came in during the end of it, so I I, I missed I missed the ending of the women's title match, and I miss since this is a very short match, just eight and a half minutes. I probably missed five or six minutes of this. And yeah, I just uh, uh you know I I think. Any of the other guys in this match, Big E, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, I I don't think I would have cared much if either one of them would have won because I I like all of them as performers. Brock, I'm over it, just like everybody else has been. I think guys like Brock Lesnar and guys like Roman Reigns are kind of the reason that I stopped watching the show. And it's not to say that they're bad performers in any way, shape, or form. Neither one of them are, but it's, it's WWE has this thing about There are specific people that they just want to shove down your fucking throat just viciously. And every time that you think, based on storylines, oh, this is the time that person is finally going to lose their belt, it doesn't happen. Because for whatever reason, the WWE likes holding on to shit. And I think that they they need to stop holding on to Brock Lesnar. They need to let this shit go because I'm fucking over it already. This is the first WWE pay-per-view I've watched since WrestleMania last year. I'm already fucking over it. Other than that, other than Brock Lesnar winning that title, other than the the cheesiness that is the entrance graphics and the commentary team, there was a lot to like about this show. If you haven't watched WWE day one, I, I'd say go check it out. A lot of my friends were in attendance. I, I popped pretty big because... Uh, You can see Sal Renaro dancing during the Street Profits entrance. That popped me pretty big. I'm going to see Sal in a couple of weeks at Outlandish Paradise. I'm going to bring that up to him. I think I'm just going to do the whole fucking stir the cup dance in front of Sal every time I see him just to make fun of him. Outlandish, Dice, and Twitch are partnering up to bring you a live streaming professional wrestling spectacular unlike anything seen or done before on January 15th. 2022, Ashes Outlander Paradise, take over the Action Building in Atlanta, Georgia. It's gonna be huge! The biggest event ever. Live interaction. Fun, fun, fun! And God forbid we give the chat control. So get off the couch. Or don't. This ain't my show. It's yours. So join us live in person or from anywhere in the world at twitch.tv slash sticky 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't be late. Outland. Now let's talk about a show that I am really looking forward to and that is Wrestle Kingdom 16 which will be taking place January 4th, January 5th and a special presentation on January 8th. We'll talk about that in just a moment. These shows will be taking place at the Tokyo Dome just like they do every single January in New Japan. This is the 16th installment of the Wrestle Kingdom show. They have been running January 4th shows at Tokyo Dome for a lot longer than that. So let me tell you a thing that I love, but also don't love about New Japan. And this is something I, you know, I brought up earlier, the whole the bittersweetness of my last podcast. And I'm going to repeat myself right now. These are some things that I said on my first ever episode of that after show. And it pertains to New Japan. What I love and don't love about New Japan is that the matches are always consistently good to a point that, as a fan, I feel comfortable taking long breaks in between shows because I feel like I don't really need to know the stories because I can drop in anywhere, be it a Wrestle Kingdom, a Dominion, a G1, just Best of the Super Juniors, whatever. I can drop in on any show, and I will see consistently great matches no matter what the story is. And I love that because I don't have to watch the show regularly. The show does not have a regular weekly taping. They air kind of sporadically. It's not uncommon for New Japan to take a few weeks off in between shows. But I don't like that at the same time because I, I wish that I could bring myself to watch the show more regularly. It is tough with it being in Japan whenever these episodes usually air live. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning here in Georgia. I think if I was on the West Coast, it might be a little bit easier to to watch like a Wrestle Kingdom live, but I always have to wake up the next morning, do my best to avoid spoilers, try to stay off of Twitter until I can get to my computer and watch the shows. But I I, I do wish that that the show was a little bit more accessible. I wish that the New Japan app was a little bit better because I would like to drop in more than I do. I'm going to be honest with you guys. The last full episode of anything New Japan that I watch was Wrestle Kingdom last year. I watched a very little bit of Dominion, and I think I watched one or two matches during the G1 last year. That was it. I haven't kept up with it whatsoever. I'm dropping in now after a fucking year, and I'm, I'm aggravated at myself that I, I did not watch very much New Japan at All-in-21, but I am extremely excited to get back into it because, like I said, consistently great matches, always up and down the card speaking of the card, let's talk about day 1. Starting last year, they decided to do the two-day event where you not only have the January 4th show, you also have a January 5th show. Night 1, January 4th, there will be a dark match which will be the New Japan Rumble to determine the challengers for the King of Pro Wrestling 2022 trophy. I believe the King of Pro Wrestling trophy is something they created either at Wrestle Kingdom last year or a few months before Wrestle Kingdom, and I think Yano was the was the King of Pro Wrestling title holder or trophy holder, whatever it is throughout 2021. Like I said, haven't kept up with the show as much as I'd love to. I need to go back and see if if that changed hands at all during the year. But I I believe what they're doing is they have the Rumble and the last four people will go on to January 5th to have a four-way match for this trophy. I don't like that very much. For me, whenever you have a Battle Royal or a Rumble, anything like that, it should just, whoever is the last man standing is the person that wins. When you get down to four people left, you've still got a match left, and they just stop it cold turn. Nope, stop. No more. <laughs> no more wrestling between the four of you. Just go to the back and be civil. That's, it's kind of goofy to me, but I do love a good battle royal. I do love a good rumble. I always enjoy the New Japan rumble, so I am looking forward to watching it. After that, we got Yo versus Sho. I heard about these two breaking up. I think Sho, I think he went to Bullet Club which is weird to me. Like, that's, I never thought Rapongi 3K would break up, and I guess they have. So you've got Yo versus Sho in a singles match. Then you have got Hiroshi Tanahashi and the mega coaches, Taguchi and uh, Rocky, versus the Bullet Clubs, Kenta, Taiji Ishimori, and El Fantasmo. I I hope the Bullet Club wins that for obvious reasons that I don't feel like going into because I don't want to start the year in a bad mood. After that, Losin Gobernables, Dejapon, Tetsuya Naito, Sonata and Bushi versus the United Empire, Will Ospreay, Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb. I know Will Ospreay was the heavyweight champion that I believe got injured. Then the belt got vacated. Shingo Takagi wound up getting the belt. And I believe that Ospreay will be taking on the winner of January 4th's main event in the next night. So I imagine because of that... United Empire is probably going to walk away with the victory here. After that, we've got Katsuri Shibata versus a to-be-announced competitor in a Catch Wrestling Rules match, which is very similar to a regular match, except strikes are prohibited. I am so excited that Shibata is able to get back in the ring. I know he had a five-minute exhibition match with Zack Sabre Jr. not too awful long ago at one of these shows. I believe it was during the G1 I watched that. It was great to see Shibata back in the ring. I do like how they're easing him back in with these no strikes matches. As to where who he could be wrestling against, I've got no idea. I think my original thought was it was going to be Kenta because of the rivalry that the two of them have had but kent is going to be wrestling in that that six-man tag match earlier in the show so i don't think it's going to be him at all whoever it is they better be ready to go though because you know Shibata's is going to get in there and he's going to roll you up like a motherfucker so i can't wait to see this i'm so fucking excited whenever i started watching new japan was right at the end of shibata's run like i started watching right before that match with him and okada where obviously he had to cut his career short I'm so excited that he was able to recover, and he's, he's back in New Japan, hopefully full-time in the future. But I'll take whatever I can get. I just love Shibata. After that, Tomohiro Ishii is defending the Never Openweight Championship against Evil. I feel like that Never Belt is almost always either with Ishii, Suzuki, or Goto. Like, one of those three guys always has that fucking Never Belt evil fell off for me whenever he joined bullet club like i I understand the shock value whenever it happened and then him beating nido for the the double titles was it was shocking but I think once the shock wore off I was like this isn't gonna be good at all and it hasn't been uh I don't know what the last year has looked like obviously but uh i, I it's kind of weird to me to see that evil is still with bullet club i i don't I don't get it so I don't know I don't think evil gets the win here but we'll see. After that, Dangerous Techers versus Chaos' Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. This is the match that I could not give a flying fuck about on this show. I'm not a fan of Dangerous Techers pretty much exclusively because of tai Chi. I just, I've never been a fan of Taichi. I, I think it's his face there's something, that dude's got this case of resting bitch face worse than I've ever seen on anyone in my life, and I don't know, I can't stand it, I don't like the whole ripping his pants off gimmick, and you know, it's, it's, every Taichi match is the same fucking thing, it is always the same thing, and it's a shame, because I think Zack Sabre Jr. is great, but this, this, this alliance, I'm not super crazy about, and Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, you want to talk about resting bitch face, Yoshihashi is probably the only worst case compared to Taichi Yoshihashi kind of the same thing every match is the fucking same I'm no offense to Goto kind of the same problem with him too and I think Goto is a great wrestler he has been in a lot of awesome spots in New Japan but uh, neither one of the only person in this in this match that excites me at all is Zack Sabre Jr. and I guess Miho if she's going to be if she's going to be accompanying them to the ring she excites me a little bit as well but like I don't know I'm not this is a bathroom break match for me which is weird because I don't feel like you get a whole lot of those on Wrestle Kingdom cards, but this is the one for me. After that, El Desperado defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship against Hiromu Takahashi. Despi is a guy that, you know, I I didn't think much of until when was it a little over a year ago? Whenever him and Takahashi had that match, I believe it was the finals for Best of the Super Juniors. And Takahashi was ripping at Desperado's mask and Despy just said, fuck it, and took his whole ass mask off and finished the last half of the match without it. You don't see that from masked wrestlers. Like, the only other time that I can think of a masked wrestler just willingly taking his fucking mask off is Jushin Liger whenever he had Keishin Liger underneath. That's about the only thing I can think of. That, combined with the performance that follows, I gained a level of respect for El Desperado that I did not have going into that feud. And I'm looking forward to it. I think that Takahashi has had a few people like Takahashi and Osprey. I could watch feud all fucking day. They always have good matches. I think Desperado is the new Osprey for Takahashi. Like these two, I'll watch them wrestle to the end of time. Then after that, the main event of night one, Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. I know that Okada won the G1 and instead of carrying around the G1 briefcase, he has been carrying around V4 of the world title. I don't know what the plan is. Like, if, if, if the stipulation is that if Okada beats Takagi, then he reinstates V4 as the IWGP official heavyweight title, then I hope Okada wins because I fucking hate that new belt so much. I talked about it a little bit whenever we did that episode a couple of weeks ago where I did a tier list for a bunch of different belts in professional wrestling. I do not like V5. V4 is one of the best-looking belts in the world. And if that is the stipulation, I do not know if it is. But if that is the stipulation, I really fucking hope Okada wins. <laughs> After that is night two, January 5th, the second night of Wrestle Kingdom. This is kind of weird because the dark match says to be announced versus to be announced. I thought that that was going to be for the King of Pro Wrestling trophy, but it's not. That match is going to be later on the actual show. So I don't know what this dark match is supposed to be to be announced versus to be announced. That's weird. That's weird. But uh, on the actual main show, you've got the Flying Tigers, Robbie Eagles, and Tiger Mask defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships against Bullet Club's cutest tag team, Taiji Ishimori and El Fantasmo, versus the mega coaches, Taguchi and Romero. I had no idea that A, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask were a team, and B, that they had the Junior Heavyweight tag titles. Uh, Last time I checked, Desperado and Kanemaru were the were the junior tag champions for, like, ever. That's the last I saw. I had no idea it was the thing. Bullet Club's cutest tag team. I think that that name's funny because I think Ishimori is a good-looking guy. El is probably the ugliest motherfucker in Bullet Club, so that's funny. And then the Mega Coaches. Um, I don't like it when Romero wins anything for obvious reasons, uh, mostly because he can go fuck himself. So I guess either one of the other two teams. Let them win... Um, mega coaches don't need this, uh, Bullet Club, fuck it, let Bullet Club have more belts, uh, it's always good whenever they have belts. After that, and this surprised me, because I know that they have had stardom matches as dark matches on the last couple of Wrestle Kingdoms, but they haven't actually aired any of them, it looks like on the main show, Mayu Iwatani and Starlight Kid are gonna wrestle Tam Nakano, and I'm not familiar with this name, Saya Kamitani, I believe is how that's pronounced, This, this is, this is a big fucking deal. This is going to be the first, this is going to be, I believe, the first women's match to properly take place on a Wrestle Kingdom. If I'm incorrect, please, please tell me about that. I, I haven't seen every Wrestle Kingdom, but there has not been, as long as I've been watching the last six or seven Wrestle Kingdoms, there hasn't been a women's match. This is, this is a big deal. It's not a dark match that's not going to be aired. This is an official match from from how it looks here on Wikipedia. So congratulations to the women of stardom for that. That's a big deal. After that, you got the four-way match for the Provisional King of Pro Wrestling 2022 trophy. These are going to be the four people that are last left in the Rumble from the night before. It's, it's, I don't know. It's going to be Yano. Like what are you, It's going to be fucking Yano again. Why would it not be Yano? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like this trophy should just be Yano's. I don't know why they're even fighting for it. He should just carry this, carry this trophy and his DVDs to the ring every single night. Like that's it should just be part of Yano's shtick. After that, House of Torture, evil Yujiro Takahashi and Sho versus Chaos's Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi and Yo for the never open weight six man tag team championships. House of Torture is an interesting name. That's uh. I like I like Yujiro and I like Show a lot, um, but I don't know. It's it's a never open weight six man belt. These the, these these belts pretty much always change hands during this week. If not on Wrestle Kingdom, then at New Year's Dash, which I don't know if they're doing a proper New Year's Dash this year. I need to look. I'll I'll check it after I get through Night Three. Remind me to. <laughs> After that, you've got Sonata versus The Great O'Khan. The Great Okan was the only Japanese wrestler that we got on the first New Beginning in USA tour. So naturally, I was excited to see him whenever I went to that show in Charlotte, and then I watched him wrestle, and I was like, okay, I don't. I feel like I don't need to ever see him wrestle ever again, and that's kind of how I felt about him ever since. I don't know if he has improved, but when I saw him, it, it was nothing special. So, love Sonata, but, you know, just... I don't know why. I've just never thought super highly of Great Khan, but hopefully he can change my mind in this match. Maybe that's all he needs. Maybe he just needs a wrestler to elevate him, and Sonata can probably be that guy. After that, Tetsuya Naito versus Jeff Cobb. That sounds like fun. Big Jeff Cobb fan, big Naito fan. That's, yeah, like, I, I, I think that's probably going to be a good match. It looks like there's a big feud between LIJ and The Empire, You know, with Sonata and Okan, now Naito and Jeff Cobb, and then obviously you've got Shingo and Osprey in the world title picture. Fuck, man, that makes me think that it's probably going to be Shingo beating Okada, considering, you know, like it it, it looks like we've got this big feud between those two factions. Fuck, that really makes me think that Shingo is going to beat Okada, and that means that that might be the last that we ever see of V4, and I'm just not ready for it. After that, you have Kenta defending the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi in a no-DQ match. That's probably going to be super fun. Love Tanahashi, love Kenta. That, That United States Heavyweight Championship match is also a very attractive belt next to V4. I think that's probably my favorite belt in the company. This is, of course, this is going to be good. You've got two of two of the best wrestlers in New Japan in a no disqualification match. I don't know if I've ever seen Tanahashi in a no disqualification match. I'm probably, I have a feeling this could be my match of the night on January 5th. This one I am really, really looking forward to. I thought Naito versus Cobb would be, but now seeing this one as a no DQ match, there's so much room for opportunity in this match that I, I can't wait to actually see it. And then the main event will be either Shingo Takagi or Kazuchika Okada defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Will Ospreay. Like I said earlier, Will Ospreay vacated the belt, did not properly lose it. Takagi is the current champion. Either him or Kazuchika Okada will be defending against Ospreay. Osprey is consistently a good performer. From what I understand, a bit of a douchebag in real life. I've I've never met him, but everybody that I know that has met him, I I guess consistently doesn't have very flattering things to say about him. And that has soured me a little bit on him. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've always thought he was a very, very impressive performer. His feud with Ricochet was almost kickstarted a whole new fire under that quote-unquote junior division in professional wrestling. But yeah, like, whenever you hear so many people in the business, it's not necessarily that they have negative things to say about Will, but nobody seems to have positive things to say about him. It sours you a little bit, at least for me, because I know I would hate to work with somebody that I don't respect. But yeah, so I hope whatever happens, I kind of, for the first time ever, I kind of hope Okada just wins everything. I think I, I, you know, have, I don't want to say I've gotten aggravated that Okada is almost consistently in the main event on Wrestle Kingdoms, but... You know, it's definitely noticeable. It's like, for fuck's sake, is there anybody else that can do this job? Why the fuck does Okada always have to be the champion at Wrestle Kingdom? But this time, I'm probably most looking forward to Okada winning everything. Then after that, you've got Night 3, which it's weird that this is being lumped in with Wrestle Kingdom because it's not taking place January 6th, taking place January 8th. And I believe it's not even in the Tokyo Dome. I think this is going to take place at Yokohama Arena, but regardless, I want to talk about this this show either way. Night three is going to be New Japan Pro Wrestling versus Pro Wrestling Noah. That is huge. I love it whenever you have these big rivalry shows like this where it's one company versus the other company. TNA used to do stuff similar to this, like with the with the with the America's X Cup and 1-9 only shows and stuff like that. I love it whenever you have these companies feuding against each other. This is really what I was hoping Impact and AEW would do, have like a big AEW versus Impact show. We never got that. From the looks of it, probably will never get that. I'm going to try to run through this quick because I am not very familiar with most of the people in Pro Wrestling. Noah. there will be a couple of names that I do know. But we've got two dark matches. We've got Fujita versus Yatsutaka Yano, which is not Tsuru Yano. In the other dark match, we've got Tenkozy and Yuji Nagata versus the Funky Express. Not familiar with Funky Express. I'm very familiar with Tenkozy and Yuji Nagata. Then on the official beginning of the show, you have Sho versus Atuchi Kotogi. Then after that, you've got Bullet Clubs, Taiji Ishimori, and Gato versus Stinger, which is Hayata and Psyche Yoshioka. After that, you've got Suzuki Goons, El Desperado, and Doki, Versus Los Perros, Del Mal de Japon, Yohei, and Nasawa Rungai. I'm a little familiar with Nasawa. I know I've seen him wrestle before. I'm not 100% sure where I saw him wrestle, but I know he has worked in a handful of different promotions. So that's the first guy on the NOAA side that I actually am a little familiar with. After that, we have got Chaos's Tomihiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi teaming with Six or Nine, which is Master Wado and Rasuki Taguchi. Going against Daisuke Harada, Hajime Ohara, Daiki Inaba, and uh, Yoshiki Inamaru and Kenya Okada. Not to be confused with Kazuchika Okada. I hope you guys are really enjoying me butchering the Japanese names that I don't know. Because I feel like I've fucked up quite a few of these. The reason I'm also going through this show, just we're halfway through this one at this point, the reason that I am going through the show is because I am hoping that coming out of this night three, that maybe... I will want to watch pro wrestling Noah. And maybe that all of these wrestlers from Noah that I am not familiar with right now, maybe I, I will want to watch more of their stuff coming out of the show. And I, I do hope to review this in next week's episode, uh, match seven. You have got Suzuki goons, Zach Saber jr. And Yoshinobu Kanemaru taking on Mara Fuji and Ogawa. I am familiar with Mara Fuji. I believe he had a run in ring of honor, if I'm not mistaken. So I am familiar with him. That's the second guy, him and, Nosawa and Marafuji, that's two Noah guys that I am a little familiar with. After that, another suzuki Goon team of Taichi, Minoru Suzuki, and Takamichi Noku taking on segura Goon, Takashi Segura, Kazushi Sakuraba, I am familiar with Sakuraba, and Kenta, which is, yeah, looks like that's New Japan Kenta. Why is New Japan Kenta on a pro wrestling NOAA team? I don't... I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of history there that I'm not familiar with. I believe that Kenta did have a pretty big run in Noah, if I'm not mistaken, before he went to NXT. Maybe there's, yeah, like I said, maybe there's some history there that I'm just not familiar with. But yeah, suzuki Goon versus segura Goon. Just because it's similar names, I'm really looking forward to that. Maybe that's going to be Match of the Night, who knows. <laughs> After that House of Torture, Evil and Dick to Go versus Go Shizuzaki and M- Masa Kitamiya? Kite- Kite- yeah, Masa Kidamiya. I'm obviously no evil in Dick, to, uh, Dick Togo. I fucking, after hearing Bruce Pritchard call him Dick Togo, I can't stop calling him Dick Togo. But yeah, not familiar with the brothers here and, and Noah for this match. After that, this sounds like this is going to be a fucking banger of a match. Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus fucking Keiji Muta and Kaito Kiyomiya. I'm not sure who Kiyomiya is, but fucking the great Muta. Holy shit. It looks like this is like the, the top dogs of each company are having this match. That's that's what this looks like to me. That's going to be a fucking really fun match. And then it looks like the main event, Losen Gobernables de Hapon, Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, Sanada, Bushi, and Hiromu Takahashi taking on Konga, which is Katsuhiko Nakajima, Kino, Manabu Soya, uh, Tadasuke, and... Aleja? 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 I don't know. But uh, Nakajima, that sounds... Nakajima sounds familiar. I don't know if he's somebody that I've seen before, but the name definitely sounds familiar. But yeah, that's going to be night three of Wrestle Kingdom, which will take place on January 8th. Really looking forward to all three of these shows. I plan on reviewing these shows to the best of my abilities on next week's episode of Main Event Heat. Then, of course... The week after that, on the January 17th episode of Main Event Heat, I will be pretty much exclusively talking about Zicky Dice's Outlandish Paradise, and we'll be talking about my role on that show, and I will be going into as much detail as I possibly can, because I have been keeping so much of it to myself in the lead-up, and it's killing me, because I really do want to talk about it, because I, I, I've i got a really interesting opportunity here at the show that I, I would love to tell everybody about, but... Just going to have to wait till January 17th to hear about that. So, yeah, that's going to be the next two episodes of Main Event Heat. This week, we're previewing the New Japan. Wrestle Kingdom shows next week on the 10th we're going to be reviewing those New Japan Wrestle Kingdom shows January 17th we are going to be talking everything Zicky Dice Outlandish Paradise but that's going to do it for this week's episode if you would like to submit questions feedback literally anything that you want you can do so by sending an email to main eventheat at yahoo.com if you would like to follow me on social media you can do so by finding at sweet sexy rob on Instagram and Twitter if you would like to support the show, the best way to do so is by picking up a t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com/robweathers and once again, thanks for hanging out. <clears throat>